Well, Jeremy File, welcome to the show, Fadeaways and Fundamentals. What's up, bro? Man, let me just give a quick shout out. I just think you're killing these guys in podcasts. If, if there's Fadeaways and Fundamentals, I mean, where's the, we need a sponsorship. Oh, we man, need I to, would love it. We need to get the sponsorship rolling. Oh, man, that, that would be amazing, bro. Hasn't happened yet, but that's okay. It's all about the process, just like in basketball. That's no right. microwave to success. No microwave to success. That's right. So it's all good, man. I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to stay grinding, grind session all day long. Basketball court, podcast court, whatever it is, life in general. And if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, hey, man, it's all good. And you and I get to talk hoops. Me and Zuki get to talk hoops. Me and J-Law B-Ball get to talk hoops. Right. Me and Mike Dunn, a.k.a. the handsome one, get to talk hoops. We all get to talk hoops. It's all good. You got you got some names right there, my friend. You got some guys <laughs> right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Quick yeah. hands, Tyler Wells. Ralph, excuse me. Right. You know, right. we do it all, dude. We do it all, brother. Right. Right, exactly. So how's, uh, how's Michigan treating you right now? You know, every time you post these damn videos when you guys are playing ball outside, I just get mad. So, you know, I got to stay in the gym out here because, you know, freezing rain. And if you want to get your handles right, come to Michigan with me. We'll get on the ice. And you'll be dribbling on the ice and the snow, and you'll be just fine. You'll be ready to play after that. Oh, man, I believe that, man. I've, I've been itching for you to just come out here and get E get Elijah going with some handle stuff because, uh, you know, watching you, you got fast hands. Hey, don't get me wrong. Hey, Jordan, phenomenal at what he does. Ryan's phenomenal at what he does. But neither of them have quick hands like you do. And I try to tell E all the time, man, that it's, you know, it's a process. And, and I know you're a guard and you, you kind of tend to be a, uh, point guard slash shooting guard, but in all reality, you got to have different elements to your game besides just attacking the hoop and shooting. You got to right. have that nasty. You got to have that nasty crossover and be able to to uh, create every now and then with those fast hands. So I mean, I would yeah. love for you to be out here getting at my son and preaching to him and, and getting him on that grind session, but. Yeah, in man. Due time. In due it's time. gonna happen. Yeah, I, I'll tell you. Like the one thing I'm noticing, I, I started connecting with some people out there, and man, you know, California, parts of that state. I mean, it's just big time. I mean, there's just a lot of people going out there. Uh, I'm talking to a, a woman pro now who wants me to train her. She lives in the Bay, and okay. the talent is ridiculous there. And, and you know, she's from Toronto officially, you know, originally, but there's just. Uh, there's just so much opportunity out there. I mean, I tell kids all the time, you got to get outside and grind on your own. So when you guys post videos, you guys are outside and you have that, that blessing in California with that weather. I mean, you can go outside. There's no excuse really. And no, there's no excuse. You get outside. It's warmer. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to get back there, man, in due time. And it's, uh, I think the kids are great there. I think the, the basketball is still always going to be good there. It's, it's such a big state. And then I could always add a little bit of, you know, what I learned here and take it right. there because it's different. You know, we've talked about it so many times, Andre, that the styles are a little different, that maybe the type of play is different. But in the end, if you want to make it, you, you all have to have the same type of thing. You got to be skilled. You got to be tough. You got to be fundamental. And uh, you got to have that mindset. You just do. Right. How did, how did you get the mental toughness going? I mean, did it start off at a young age or did it happen during puberty or did it happen, you know, later, like at, like in high school or, or not even that in college? Oh, I think it definitely started young. I mean, the thing about me, I mean, we've talked about it in a lot of your shows that, you know, I had a dad that was really intelligent when it came to preparing me to be mentally tough. So, you know, I was always playing against kids older. I was always playing against kids probably – from uh, tougher environments. So for me, it was like eight years old right away. I mean, I played in, in the city right away at the YMCA in, in the league, and it was tough. I mean, we played every Saturday morning, and my dad just drug me out there with adults. I mean, I, I think for me, I was mentally tough 
really knowing the game and, and understanding how I had to be aggressive, probably at 10, you know, like at 10 years old, I was playing with adults and, uh, Literally you know, adults, like adult men? Oh, yeah. You know, my dad just would drag me out there, and, and they were hard on me. They weren't going to just let me score, and, and you know, they were going to try to take the ball for me. And I think that helped me with handles because, you know, a lot of people will see stuff that maybe I've posted that, you know, you're quick, and, man, that's like crazy with the handles. But really, it's tough with the ball. You know, I've always been real tough with it. I didn't turn it over. Um, I could take contact. And that was always from the younger years. I mean, I had it, you know – Right, right away. And that's my dad. You know, my dad really started me early. So I'm thankful for that. That's really cool. You know, um, a good friend of mine. Well, he's a good friend of my brother's and mine, but I met him through my brother. His name Jerome Green was a uh, McDonald's All-American, um, played a high level basketball in college, Pac-10. Yeah. Um, and he said the same thing. Now, unfortunately, he came from a, a different tracks of you you know like right. he had he literally had no parents around yeah but he literally learned the game at 10 years old from playing against gritty military men yeah and he says they cussed at him pushed him <laughs> and they told him look you're you're one of these kids that we know that there's no parents around um you really don't have a, a support system at home and and we you know we feel for you that way, but in if this is going to be your outlet, this is how we're going to treat you because in the long run, you're going to get better. And this was in the early 90s, like yeah. early, I, I mean, probably late 80s. And by the early 90s in college, he was, he was dominating. Yeah. And he said the same thing. It was just playing against gritty old men. I wish yeah. I could do that with E, but – we go out to a park, there's no one playing. Yeah, yeah, it's different there. I think it's kind of like that everywhere. I mean, honestly, there's a few, you know, places out here that are not bad for pickup. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a different time, man. I mean, I think then it was like the, the places you always went were like the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA. I, I know it's still there in parts of the country. Um, but it, it's a little different game now. I mean, I think it's so predicated on skill now, which is I think is good. I mean, you, you know – I watch games all the time and I watch old games and I'm always comparing the styles, comparing the players. And it's kind of fun. You know, I'm sure you do this all the time where you was the basketball better than, or, or what leagues better, or, you know, were the players better in this time than, than now. And I just think it was different. I mean, I don't know if it was really better or worse than it was just a lot different. You played more, you went out there and, Hey, pick up, you got next, let's do this, you know, and, you better get out there and grow up quick. And um, my best story about when I was young, we were playing, we were on a trip in Florida and then we were playing outside and I was 10 years old and my dad's best friend who passed away, he was real tough, you know, hard nosed guy. And they wouldn't let me play because I was too young. And uh, my dad's friend walked on the court. He said, you better put this boy in the game right now or we're going to have problems. And uh, they put me in, and I started hitting shots, and I played the whole week. It was spring break. They let me play with the adults the whole week because I proved myself. And I found out real quick that I could play against anybody. You know, like I could compete even though I was small and, you know, you're going to get posted up. I could go out there, and I wouldn't lose the ball. I could go against grown men and sometimes make them look bad. So then I just – for when you ask, like, where you get the mental toughness, that's when you get it. Like, okay, you play against guys 15 years older than me. You know, like, why am I right. worried about these young kids? I mean, <laughs> these kids are nothing now. So that's confidence. That's when confidence comes in. And, uh, yeah, I was fortunate, very fortunate, man. Right. Now, like how you said, we, we actually just won a championship this past weekend. And uh, I was very blessed because two weekends before, we literally – got mopped all over the floor um, at another tournament we were at. And, and, you know, I can see the kids there. Uh, they, like I told them, I, I didn't yell at them, you know, their, their heads are hanging. They're down by 15, they're down by 20. And I'm like, look, at times you played very well because you didn't give up. And there was times that you kind of gave up for a few minutes and there was some spark in one of you that kind of got you guys back in the groove or, or maybe yeah. there was something that I said and you guys got back in the groove and that's great. So there was a lot of times that 
you know, you guys did really well. Um, and there was times you didn't, but the times that you guys did really well, it looked good. It's just you guys played kids that were just more seasoned than you were, better than you sure. guys. And that's okay. And then that's what that's the that's the balance of the game. You play yeah. you 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 lose big, you win big. So this weekend we played, this past weekend we won. We won big in a few of our games. And like Elijah finally had break breakout games. He had a twenty four point game, he had a twenty seven point game. Nice. Very proud nice. of him as a dad. Very proud of him as a coach. I mean, in one game, he had six threes. And, nice. But it's the fact of you watching the kid. You can see it in his his shoulders being back. You can see it with the wheels turning around as his head's on a swivel. That he's just playing. <laughs> he's playing with so much confidence. Right. And you it's have like, to play with confidence. And basketball. it's like if you play with confidence, good things happen. There's you know, no it, it just no it comes it comes easier to you, just like you said with grown men, um, and so the, you know that's great in all with that analogy. But one other thing is like comparing from us watching basketball from back in the days to now. Like, of course, everybody now is more skilled, and I get that. You know, obviously the the three point shots a lot better too now, but. Back when we were watching, like, the Detroit Pistons and watching Jordan and watching the Lakers and watching, I don't know, say, uh, who else? Who else is another gritty? The Utah Jazz. The grittiness. Yeah. They're so gritty. They just were like. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you compare that? Well, I think, like, the crazy thing about it that I think we even forget I watched Nick Van Exel the other day. Okay. And <laughs> he was incredibly skilled. And, you know, he was unreal with the basketball. And, you know, Gary Payton was, was around that time, oh, yeah, obviously. Supersonics, of course. Him and Sean Kim. Solid, right. You know, solid guards, you know, because I'm always watching guards because that's my position. I mean, I there's no other position that I can play on the court which I think made me tough too because I realized, all right, this is it for you. I mean, you better you better be a great point guard. You're short, and this is your ticket. So, you know, I always watch multiple guards. You just hit the nail on the head. It's it's a three-point shot. I mean, that's really the only thing that's different. I mean, Nick Van Exel was a driver, could create space, pull-up game, mid-range. Um, Gary Payton could post you up as a point guard. Oh, I loved it. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, and you only see maybe Chris Paul once in a while. Mark Jackson would post you up. Ooh, with the um, shimmy, with the shimmy. Yeah, you Give know, the and, shimmy. And the thing, <laughs> right. And the thing that was different too back then is there were so many good post players. So, you know, it kind of eliminated the spacing because you always had a guy in the block all the time that you wanted to dump it to because it was an easy basket. So the point guard play then was more predicated on hey, you know, you're going to have to make plays um, in, in open space when you have it, but you don't necessarily need to. You know, let's get it down and let's dump it down to Patrick Ewing. Let's dump it down to Carl Malone. Let's dump it down to Charles Barkley. You know, Kevin Johnson was an unbelievable point guard. And, you know, he had Charles Barkley, though. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's going to come down and he's going to dribble. Don't lose the ball. Just be tough with it and throw it inside. So it was like, those were the guards then. I mean, they didn't, they could do all the stuff you see with the handles now. I mean, Nick Van Exel could go out there and look like the best ball handler in the world today. I mean, he was, he was unreal with the basketball, Andre. I oh, mean, I know. He's a lefty. I'm a lefty, so I, I loved him. Um, so it, it's just, it's like you said, it's a three point game now. I don't think it's bad. I, I think that spacing and that shot, it's, it's worth one point more, obviously. And, it changes the whole game. I mean, you have to defend further out, and uh, neither style is bad. And uh, I would say nowadays in the game, you gotta have, you gotta be able to hit shots from outside. No, and I get that. You know, I mean, there were like, like for instance, now there's a lot of punch dribbles. There's a lot of, um, I mean, a huge one is is the the step back or the sidestep, which has really changed the game and the euro change yep. the game and those are just two phenomenal moves now back back when we played you know you're talking late 80s 90s there, there was not that though we didn't do step backs and we didn't do euros but we were we were stellar off of the 
the around the back. We were stellar yeah. on the uh, the spin moves. And those were just yeah. those were the killer moves, and they still are. I, I think you know it's crazy. Like I've been like watching stuff back then. All the stuff that you see the guys do now, they still did it then. You know, there there was guys that did step backs. There was guys that it's just more broadcasted now. You okay, know, it's more of it's more of a analyzed game now. You know, analytics skill where. Back when we were coming up, you didn't really have a name for it. You know, you were like, "Hey, get a basket, right? You know, like make a make a play. You know, do what you got to do. Get space. You know, step back, whatever it is. You know, crossover. Allen Iverson had you know the crazy crossover. Oh, you know, there there was guys that just did dirty. Every, yeah, you know, there was guys that did a lot of the stuff we see. I mean, the the Euro step. You know, there's guys doing it. Then we just never knew it was that you know we didn't call that you know i i did a euro step in high school i mean i didn't know it was called that i just did it you know you you know you, you step right foot and you get away and you bounce to the left euro step right and for me it was just hey make a play so i don't think it's bad that we analyze it i don't think it's bad that we broadcast it i think it's it's good for visual learning for kids they need to know what they're doing they need to hear it they need to see it um i was blessed and fortunate and even now at my age today, I don't need to know what a punch dribble is. I don't need to know what uh, the pro cross is, you know, and all that. I stuff. don't. Yeah, I don't need to know any of that. You know, it's it's get the job done. It's it's make plays. I can make all those moves. It's instincts. It's it's uh, you know. And I think that's the difference between being a player and a trainer. Whereas I think trainers, it's a great job because players need that. They need to know why they do it. And they needed to be a little more analyzed because sometimes, you know, if you're not thinking what you know you want to do and you just go out there and you think, oh, I'm just going to be instinctive. Well, sometimes guys stop you. You need to know what, you know, a punch dribble is where you dribble hard, right? Pound the dribble, you know, stop and get space. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things when, when you're a player, you don't even think about those things. You know, it just happens. But uh, trainers are key now, man. It's just we've said it so many times. It's just so a part of the game now, player development, where it's needed. You got to have it, and coaches they want it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my son works with two trainers here. Um, but let me ask you this: um, this is not from a coach to you know, like a coach to a like a like a, a coach to a player. But as a parent, a parent to like a skilled trainer like you to my son, does he really need to have all of those, all of those different tricks in his bag or should he just play the game simple? I think it just depends on how his life becomes as a, as a player. Like I'm going to give you an example for me when I was a player, the reason why I was really successful at the younger ages was because I was tough and, and I played against older kids like we just talked about. And I was fast and, and I still had skill, but I didn't have the knowledge of what move to make, the footwork to make. So as I got older and then I got to high school even, I said, man, there's, I need to start getting a little more in my bag per se nowadays how they say it. Right. So I had to start learning moves and I'd watch games and that's just how I learned it. So it was more like, okay, this is how I get a guy to lean uh, one way with a cross, you know, really, you know, I always say it's, it's feet, hands, shoulders. They all got to be in a line. You know, I got to step left. I got to shake my shoulder at the same time I got to cross. And that was AI. I mean, that was me learning AI's move as a high schooler. When you get to college, you find out <laughs> I don't even have a bag. You know, I need to find one because I'm small. And then it turned into I need a finish game. I need to have different finishes. You know, my coach at the Division One level said, Jeremy, you can get to the rim at will. But once you get there, everybody's seven foot now. They're 6'9", they're 6'10". You don't have a floater game. So I started practicing floaters because I wasn't a leaper. Right. So for me, I would say it, does, it isn't how much is in your bag. It's, you know, what, what really works for you, you know, okay. and then you kind of build off it. I always said this. I could go out there right now and play pro basketball at a high level and – you know, for me, I only have two or three moves I know I would use all the time. And it's a step back. You know, I'm going between my legs left, like I'm going left, and then I step left foot, slide to the right. 
I'm making that shot every time because I got a quick release. And if they stay locked in, I just has the end go. And there's another time I'm going to come down and I'm going to go in and out. And if you cut me off, I'm spinning off of you. And, and that's probably the first only two moves I'm using for a while. And, and another thing I was really good at is I was great off ball screens. So I knew how to play off other guys. I was a great passer. And so I always knew how to read. So maybe there's a couple guys out there, plenty of guys that have more in their bag. They got more handles as far as moves, but I was better in a system. You know, I come off a screen, you leave me, I'm hitting. I could split if you come out too hard. If, if the guard gets right up on me, I'm going to back into him, go right off the shoulder of the screener, and then I'm bouncing off guys because I was strong. So it was, it was more of that for me. I didn't need 10 moves. I just needed one or two, and I needed to know how to play with other guys. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's like – I love that because that's how my son was this weekend. Like, at the point, he did a spin move – or, or he would use the around-the-back push around the back. Um, every now and then, he would hezzy where he was we, – we, we call it a shadow hand where, you know, it looks like he's going to pick it up to, uh, to shoot. He's looking up at the rim. He, uh, you know, pro-crosses across his body, and then he's mm-hmm. getting away for space to make a shot. Or sure. he was coming off of pin downs. He was, he was uh, drifting or lifting and just literally catching the ball waiting for somebody to close out on him, head fake, literally head fake, one dribble, sidestep, boom, hit, like Carmel Anthony. I was just like, damn, you're just making it look super basic and simple. And I was like, that's how you got to play. Like, you don't need to do all these other things. Like, there was no – Simple's better. Yeah. There was no – Simple's better. There was no, uh, you know, quick stops. There was, you know, nothing. No punch dribbles, no – no in and outs. I mean, he literally played the game super simple and was very successful. Yeah. Well, you find out, you know, the, the problem, we, we talked about this in the last podcast or maybe the one before. The problem that young kids have is they see the highlight, but they don't watch the 50 other times when Kyrie just came right off the screen and shot it. You know, he, he didn't make no move. Right. He, he didn't, he didn't wrap cross. He didn't do all this stuff that, that we teach our kids. You know, he didn't uh, do five or six combos um, the whole game. You know, he, he did it a couple times to, to throw off the defender. You know, there's times in games as a pro, I would come in and, I, and I'm, I'm going to show this guy a couple things. I want right. to make him realize that this, this dude can handle. So I'm going to rock him three or four or five times just for him to say, oh, shit. You know, like this, this dude can handle, but 90% of the game, you're not doing that. You're not coming down, you know, in and out between the legs, wrap, cross, cross, cross. You know, it ain't, it's not how it works, you know, and you look at James Harden, he comes down a lot of times in the games. He just uses his body and he steps back. Sometimes he steps back six times. and doesn't get called for a travel, but you know, it's simple for him too. you know, get body contact, bounce off guys. And then there's times when he just rocks people and everyone goes crazy. And they're like, I want handles like James Harden. Well, no, James Harden doesn't use his handles the whole game. You know, he, he picks and chooses his spots where he goes crazy with it. And I think that's something that players have to know, that don't just watch the five highlights a night and say, oh, my gosh, I want to play like just like this guy. You know, watch a whole game. Watch how guys – get to their spots really easily without using a lot of energy and, you know, watch both ends too. watch how guys move on defense, watch the whole game. And you'll start realizing that wow, I'm learning how to play basketball. Now I'm learning why guys cut. I'm learning why guys, you know, play this way. And uh, that's a player's attitude. That's somebody that played that knew, you know, for me, when I had the ball and the shot clock's going on, you don't have time. You, you don't have time to think about a punch dribble. <laughs> you got to find a way to make it happen. So sometimes right. it's the one or two moves, like you're saying. You don't need ten. It's the one or two you know you're outstanding at that you can trust yourself with. Okay, so I, with all that, and you're you know you're talking about 
you don't need all these these dribble moves, and, and I think that's great. I think over-dribbling kills the game anyways. I think you need to move the ball. The ball moves a lot faster and a lot quicker to get people open by passing it and swinging it a few five or six times to get somebody open. For instance, sure. Clay Thompson, 43 amazing. points with four dribbles. Amazing. How ama- I mean, how amazing is that to be able to play off the ball off the ball, excuse me, and to be able to move off the ball. Like, that is just dope to me. Yeah, the couple of reasons, number one, Golden State, Steve Kerr, they run a great system, and they've, they've adopted a little <clears throat> bit of what Popovich does, moving the ball side to side, using the whole uh, you know, width of the court where you, you really got to cover a lot of ground against them. So Clay's just an outstanding shooter. He's got great um, shot fake stuff. He knows how to read off screens. And uh, when he gets the ball and he's got a little bit of room, his it's, it's shot's going up. He's got a quick release. So it's system. It's him being an unbelievable player. And it's just a lot of fun to watch Golden State when they're on fire. I mean, it's just – it's passing. It's moving. It's screening. They're one of the – they're the best screening team in the league. It's not even close. Um, they, they find different ways to screen different – types of, uh, you know, they'll throw it to the post per se. The wing will throw it to the post and then they'll set a side screen to the guard who's up top and you got to figure out how to guard it because they slip well. They got multiple guys that can shoot and they, it's just fun to watch. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. You know, Michigan State, Tom Izzo's adopted some stuff from Steve Kerr. Draymond obviously played at Michigan State. There was an article about it and Izzo said, we've learned how to screen by watching them. We can't play like them, but we've learned how to screen better. Right. So, you know, those are the things that when we do stuff like this and we talk, it's so good for kids to hear, hey, it's about screening. It's not always about one-on-one making a bunch of moves because it's just not realistic. It just isn't. You know, right. you, you have to play off screens. You have to play with four other guys. And uh, that's why basketball is so beautiful, man. Because you can be in, individual, you know, individualized, but you got to know how to use your teammates. Absolutely. Um, another another point is like, for instance, last night I was watching the Lakers, and I, you know, there's a lot of people. There's it's it's really weird. It's it's like I hear a lot of hate on on ball, and I hear a lot of good feedback about ball. I'm a I'm a big believer in ball. I mean, the kid's only what's he 21. 20 yeah. years old. He's yeah. a young kid. The kid is in right for this year. He's top 10 of assists, top 10 mm-hmm. in rebounding. The kid was a monster on the boards last night. He was, he was shooting the ball very well. Um, you know, so he was up there in points. I know he's streaky on the point section, but to his passes as he was driving to the lane and just the no look passes and, and not being selfish and, and trying to deliver the ball to Kuzman and Ingram and all those guys and getting people involved, man, it, it is, it's just a lot of fun to watch that. It reminds me a good. lot of, yeah, it reminds me a lot of a Jason Kidd when he was young. Very much so. Lonzo Ball, the thing that people, um, I, I think people will notice it, but I don't think it's talked about enough. This is a great example. Lonzo Ball will always be better than LaMelo Ball, his brother. It right. won't even be a competition. LaMelo Ball has a lot more in his bag. I mean, a lot more. I mean, he is crafty. He's got some shiftiness. He's got hezzies. He's got uh, – <laughs> there's a lot of craziness going on with him. What Lonzo Balls realized is, is I'm very fast and athletic. I don't need to do too much. I can cut hard and I can get open and I can dunk. I can get to the rack. I, I'm going to be a good passer. I'm going to rebound. I'm big. I'm going to use my size. Um, what I lack in individual skill, like handles – I'm going to make up for it by using my height to pass over guys. Um, and he's just great at it. And uh, he's going to be a good player. I mean, I think he realized I'm not Kyrie. I'm not Steph. I'm going to just be, like you said, a Jason kid. I'm athletic. I can make good passes. I'm, I'm big. He's a big guard. Okay, he's you like 6'6". 6'5". 6'5", okay. Six, five. So he's using those tools that he has. And um, – that's the best advice I'll give players. Use the few things you're really great at and just kill people with them. Just Ooh. kill them. Kill them nonstop. Use those two things, three things you're great at 
And then if, if you want to be the best, then yeah, you got to develop a little more. And like if Lonzo wants to be a all-star, he's going to have to be able to find a way to score a little more, right? He's going to have to find a way to, you know, be a little more creative. But, you know, he's got LeBron now. When he comes back, he's got other guys that can score. He doesn't really need to. But I love his game. I think you, man, I'm really glad you mentioned him because I think that he's another guy that kids can look at. And, yeah, we're not all going to be 6'6", but use a couple things you're great at to your advantage. Oh, man, that's like dropping the mic right there. We can end right now with with that. I I like the (laughs) fact that that you come in and said, hey, use a few things that you're great at, whether it's your athleticism, whether, I mean, you're one of those bullies on the court and you can just kind of like, you know, if a guard's trying to like, say I'm dribbling up the court and you're trying to get in front of me to cut me off, but if I cut you off before – because I have a bigger body, use that. Or, you know, if you're good at the passing or if you're great at your jumper, whatever it is, use a few things that you're great at to, to, you know, get you to the next level and not, don't try to be something you're not. I love that. I love that. There's another couple of guys, you know, there's, there's a couple of guys that I think should be noted. And this is, uh, I love Luca. Oh, Luca. Yeah ridiculous and, I, and, I, and the reason why i do is because he's found a way to use his skill and use one move where he has a lead foot step back that is killer or an inside foot he really goes inside foot meaning if he rips left he's stepping hard right foot and he's getting back yes and he's got it down and if you watch him play, he's, he's such a creative passer. So it kind of makes you on guard when you defend him. But he's one of those guys that, again, uses a couple things to his advantage, a great step back, knows how to play off the ball screen outstandingly because he's played that whole that way his whole life, you know, using the ball screen in, in, in Europe. And that's a guy that a lot of people, if they're basketball junkies, should watch and say, man, if I could just get – that down and have great IQ and a great passer. I mean, how many times have me and you mentioned how passing is lacking in today's oh, game? And that's uh, why he's hundred percent. Why do you think he's, I love ball so much? <laughs> you know, Luca is just a great passer, and now he's showing. Oh, you think I just can pass? Well, you give me a little room, I'm hitting it in your face. So he's just been off the charts this year, and. Um, Man, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I, I did a little piece on my podcast about, you know, because a lot of the European guys are, are saying the EuroLeague's better than the NBA. And I'll tell you what, you know, just keep sending us those players so that our NBA can keep getting better. Because, <laughs> uh, because, you know, I still always say the NBA is still the best league. We have the most talent. We have the most athleticism. Absolutely. You know, I think the, Euro, the EuroLeague's great, but – you know, we kick their ass every year in the Olympics, so I don't know why anyone would say that the Americans aren't the best. But, you know, I, I do think that when we have these conversations, kids need to find a few players and say, you know what, those are my guys. The Kyries, the LeBrons, the KDs, those are guys that, hey, man, it's just hard to be like that. You know, it's just yeah. a dime a dozen. The, the Giannis, I mean, I'd love to be 6'11 and have long arms like that. It ain't happening. And I can't play like Giannis. You know, I can't play like um, even James Harden. I can handle a little bit like him, but I can't. I don't have size like him. So I got to watch Luka. I got to watch Steph Curry. I got to watch Chris Paul. Um, and it's, it's just so important that players do that. I mean, it really is. Absolutely. No, I hear you. Like, I mean, you, you wanted to touch a little bit uh, today on your uh... – on, on your crazy story in, in basketball, yeah. you, I mean, I, I mean, how was it with you? Well, besides you know, we, we touched on, or I mean, earlier we touched on your, your youth part, but how about in high school going into the pros? You know, it's, it's crazy. I, I'm really glad Andre, you know, we had these talks cause you know, I'm, I'm starting something because the NBA talks a lot about mental. Right. And I think it's just so important that we do talk about these things. And one of the things that when I was a youth, you know, I had a great basketball career and I say this because people say what do you mean career you're young that's when it starts you started your son early those are very important years of your life and and I was a a star as a kid I mean everybody knew who I was Um, I was very known 
um, I had the best and worst thing ever happen to me is I got a car accident in high school. And what happened was is I broke my jaw, my pelvis, my ankle. Um, my girlfriend in high school at the time who was driving, um, she took a wrong turn right onto oncoming traffic and and we were hit. Uh, truck was going 60 miles per hour. Um, the doctor said I would never play it competitive athletics again and uh, so I'm blessed man not only to be here but to be able to do things in high school but my story really started because all my challenges happened as my adult years started um, you know I, I told you, you know, I was at Western Michigan and uh, my freshman year was great we go to the NCAA tournament I never had any failures as a basketball player I mean, right here I am this great kid player I have a high school career that's unmatched by a lot of people I go D1 my dream I go to March Madness. Are you kidding me? I mean, and even though I didn't play a ton, it's a kid's dream. Right. And uh, my sophomore year, see, when you play D1, you just don't have a lot of days off. So long story short, we get 10 days off. All my teammates, Jay, you're staying here. You're not going back home to your funky city where nothing's going on. You're staying here with us. I said, no, I'm going to go play in this pickup tournament. Some of my friends are in it. So when we're playing in it, um, the game's about to start, playing well, nothing's, nothing big. Second half is about to start, and that's when my whole life changed. Uh, second half starts, I felt like a little poke. I'm like, man, that's weird, you know, right in my neck area. And I seen this guy about 20 yards from me yelling at me, and I'm like, who is this guy? You know, this is crazy. Well, it turns out this guy had stabbed me. He attacked me while I was playing, and uh, it changed my life forever. I mean, it, it was wow. shocking. Yeah. You know, it was, it was all over the news. It was, you know, the media really painted a wrong picture of me. You know, I didn't know who this person was. And the media said, you know, we had a confrontation because the guy had said that. We never did. So there was a bad picture painted of me. And it was really hard for me, Andre, to even go on the court, you know, and play basketball after that because it was – this is the thing I love to do the most. Right. And here I am getting attacked in my hometown – Nobody really knew what to do. And it was just a really crazy situation. And, and I just tell kids, when you go through something traumatic or, you know, no matter what it is, I mean, obviously I hope no one ever gets attacked while playing basketball. But if you go through something that's traumatic, I mean, you need, you need to get help. And I just never did. You know, I went to Western Michigan two days later, and I just wasn't focused. And it really affected me as a player in college. You know, I couldn't focus. I was really going through – PTSD. And, uh, you know, you hear some of the players like Kevin Love talk about anxiety. I had a lot of that, you know, just being on a court. And uh, it really affected me. And, you know, I'm thankful because I was still able to play, but it definitely ruined some of my college career. Dang, that sucks. I mean, how, how did you, okay, then how did you get over that emotional roller coaster? Did it just play all the way through college and that was it into the pros or? Yeah, Did you I mean, finally it, it, just get over a hump? Like you just finally, I don't know, you just let something go. I mean, how, how, how did you get over it? Are you just not over it yet? Well, I think that you're, you're never the same. I mean, it's, I tell guys this all the time. When I tell my story, people are shocked. And I think a lot of people don't understand it. So I'm just so thankful that you're letting me explain it because it's something that was very similar to Monica Seles, the tennis player. Yeah. When, they, when the guy came on the, you know, the court and, and stabbed her. I remember that. Yeah. And it affected her. It really was hard for her to play. Um, sort of like Nancy Kerrigan, the skater, same deal. You know, she gets attacked and she had a hard time getting on the ice. Absolutely. And uh, I just never got help. You know, that was the problem. I never got professional help. I didn't want it. I didn't have time, I didn't think. So my college career was bad. And then my pro career, I, I kind of got over it and overcame it. But you're never the same when that happens. You just – you never – you know, there's still some times I'll go on the court and I'm a little, you know, feeling a little different. The best thing I've ever done is, is doing this, talking about it, not, you know, forgetting what happened and trying to help other people that are going through things. But, yeah, it, it really mentally affected me as, a, you know, as a player. And I told you earlier, I mean, I think that there's some things I did off the court that were bad, you know, when it, when it came to substance abuse. Right. And you just can't do that. You, you can't do that to yourself. You know, I tell kids all the time, you're not meant to be in a bar. You're not meant to be in a club. You're not meant to be drinking, partying. You're an athlete. You're in a privileged position. And you're blessed. 
you know, people would die to be in your shoes. You're you're one hundred percent correct. I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but what you just said was one hundred percent me. I mean, I had two back surgeries by the age of twenty one, and um, it, it it got me in a really dark hole because I did everything the right way with basketball. Yeah, and uh, and you know, having that first surgery at eight at eighteen at eighteen years old, it it really it put me in a rough spot to, to know that I was hurt and couldn't play and, and watched colleagues of mine and friends of mine and family of mine move on and play bigger and better games. And I couldn't, that I did the same thing. I started drinking and it yep. was like, why do that? You know what I mean? It's like, I see kids now that are like, Oh, hey, what's up, coach? How you doing? Yeah, man, I'm going to go get a beer. I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You're an athlete. Right. Well, you have a beer. Absolutely. You're a, you're a beer. You can have a beer. You, I see you. You can go have a beer with, with the other coaches. Yeah, but I'm not an athlete anymore. Right. Yeah. So 100%, I'm, I'm all about that. It's, you know, it's crazy because I, that's probably the first or second time I've ever said that. And when you, when we do these podcasts, it's kind of, it's crazy. You kind of find yourself like as a coach, you find yourself as a person, like you guys, I'm always checking on your guys. You know, you're very into the healthy eating and all, man, that's so important. I mean, that is just, it's like at the core of, I mean, there's, there's things that your core as an athlete, um, taking care of your body by eating properly, not using alcohol, drugs. (laughs) I mean, those are, those are killers to your athletic career. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I just went through a long streak of years while playing pro, not fixing the, the mental stuff, partying. You know, you, you know, you're playing pro. You're playing with a guy who, who plays uh, professionally with you. He played overseas. He's got a ton of money. His brother plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, man, we're going to the club tonight. Let's go. And I didn't know how to say no. I mean, how do you say no to that? You know, you're 22, 23, or you're playing with a few guys that played in the NBA. You're playing, you know, with a guy who his brother's got celebrities around him. You know, you're, you, you don't know how to handle that. The two or three of my teammates never went. They're the most successful people. You know, they had the most money. They saved all their money. They, they didn't go out. They didn't party. They, they were on a mission to be a great player. And a couple of those guys would always grab me. Hey, man, that's not for you. You know, and. And uh, I, I wish I could go back and, and work out a little more with a Trey Moore who told me every day, you don't need to go out and party. Work out with me every day. Hey, practice was over. Work out with me after. I wish I would have done that every day, you know, that he said, hey, this is what you're doing. This guy's 31. He was in the Atlanta Hawks training camp. Yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm not going to be a foolish 22-year-old. I'm going to listen to a legit pro. And... Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's great now because I can tell kids this. But at the time, slowly but surely, I'm going downhill. You know, I'm going downhill because I'm not listening to the real professionals. Because there's a lot of guys out there, you'll find it, Andre, that why, what happened to that guy? Why is he not in the NBA no more? And a lot of times you'd be shocked. It's off the court. It's off the court issues. It's, you know, it's it's stuff that, you know, we didn't know was going on. Right. You know, Chris Heron, he's one of my heroes. You know, he had a huge drug problem. He had a 30 for 30, you know, unguarded. I'm sure you, I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. I tell kids to watch it. That's a prime example. That's a big time NBA player who threw his career away for, because of drugs. And a lot of guys do that. Yeah. You got to have that. Yeah. You got to have that guidance. So what's a piece of advice you would give somebody, um, not only in high school, but in college right now? I always say, show me your friends, show me your future. It's everyone says that there's a lot of professionals that, that are very Ooh. successful people always say that, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And, and I just didn't have good friends. You know, I had, I had people from my hometown. Hey man, come on, let's go out and party. They wanted to hang out with, with the basketball star and you gotta be around people that have goals. If you aren't around people that, you know, like, look, you're a friend of mine. Why are you a friend of mine? Cause you got goals. I mean, you got, you do, you want your son to be a great player. You, you got a good job. You, you got a business. You want to do better in basketball. I need to hang out with those people. You know, I didn't have someone like you when I was 22, 23, you know, I had, 
Joe Schmoll, who was smoking weed every day <laughs> and playing 2K all day long, you know, and, and that's just, it's important, you know, and it's only part of it when you're playing basketball on the court. Those are your teammates. Those are your friends. But who are your friends when you leave? Who are your friends when you leave the court? You know, what are you doing? Who are you talking to on social media all the time? You know, like, what are you, are you Snapchatting with someone who, not probably the best person to be snapping with, you know, and then that's, those are things at 34, I have a full vision of, but at 22, I mean, I didn't have that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I mean, life has no limitations except the ones you make. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? Great I, statement. Yeah. I mean, that's Les Brown right there. And I mean, it's just, that's just the truth, you know, I mean, in reality, I mean, literally, life has no limitation except the ones you make. Big thing with using the drugs and the alcohol as, a, as an athlete, you're making those limitations for yourself. Sky's oh, the limits absolutely. if you're doing everything right, right? Yeah. You know, the, so, the last thing I'll say how my career ended, you know, I'm 28. I'm playing for a Seattle pro team. I'm very close to going overseas. Um, you know, I'm, I'm playing at the prime of my life. You know, I, I understand the game. I'm physically ready. And, you know, I had many opportunities where I had a couple of jobs overseas that just were low paying. And I didn't, I wasn't a guy who wanted to go overseas unless it was like big money. So I'm playing for the Seattle team. The NBA's locked out. I'm playing with Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas. I'm telling, I got people telling me, Hey man, you're the real deal. You're going to play a couple of my coaches and, and general manager of this team had good connects. Um, I had a DUI years ago, you know, years before that season. And uh -huh. I thought it was over and done for me. And uh, I never forget a lady said, Jeremy, this is never going to be over for you. You're always going to have that DUI. And I'm like, who is this lady? She's crazy. And she was right. You know, we were about to go to Canada, play some Canadian pros. We, we get to the border and they pull me in to customs, all of our team. And that popped up. And when you have a drinking offense in five years, you can't cross if they see it. You know, we can oh, cross. Wow. I can go to Canada. I can go to Canada and say, hey, you know, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm going across for work. Right. And, okay, good. See you later. And then if they let you go through, hey, you, you got off, right? You got off scotch-free. But if they bring you into customs because they just, hey, luck of the draw, man, this guy don't seem right. Well, that ruined me going to Canada. I couldn't go to Canada that year. I missed a lot of exhibition games. And I got released, finally. I finally got cut my first time ever. And they released me in uh, the spring of that year. And they released me because of that. So now you're scrambling. And now you're going, wow, this might be over for me. And, and I was fortunate because I, I was very skilled. So I became a good trainer. You know, I, I, I was lucky to get into that world. And I've done some really good things but who knows what could have happened you know I'm playing with big time players you know one of my close friends on that team he he's still playing overseas he got a big job in Ireland now he's in Sweden and he's playing Spain and this guy is not nearly the player I was right <laughs> not even close but he didn't have that going on he didn't have baggage he didn't have something that was holding him back so you know, I earned my release. You know, I tell guys that I earned my release by the decisions I made. Right. So it, it's powerful, man. You know, it's powerful. I'm, I'm never going to give up with basketball, though. I love the game, and this is just part of the story for me. But, um, yeah, it could have been different. It definitely could have. Yeah, oh, yeah, I bet. I mean, man, I'm, I'm glad you shared this story today. I mean, so people and listeners – you know, in the podcast world can hear you. So thank you very much. Um, so, you know, I, I can't wait to talk to you next week, of course, on, on another subject. But if, if listeners wanted to, to reach you, whether to get some skill training or just talk to you in general on because they have a similar story, where can people find you? Yeah, um, my Instagram is, uh, is X-File. And I put shoot it, baby, because that's the guy I was telling you about who got me on the court playing against those guys, uh, his phrase to me always was, shoot it, baby. <laughs> shoot it, baby. So, <laughs> I, you know, he's not with us no more. Rest in peace to him. But he uh, he had that saying all the time, and it stuck with me. Um, 
Jeremy File is my name. So, I mean, you can always click on that on Instagram and it'll pop up. But, you know, X-File, uh, shoot it, baby. And, yeah, man, I just, you know, I post videos still. I, you know, I do this with you. Obviously, I always am involved with basketball in some way. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, negative things out there about me, of course, too. And I think that's part of my story, though. I've, I've grasped it finally. I said, you know what? I'm not going to run from it. I, hey, you know, I made mistakes in life, but I'm still here. So, yeah, X-File underscore shoot it underscore it underscore baby. <laughs> there you go. Love it. <laughs> I love it. And guess what? Just because you made mistakes, it's okay. Because guess what? We're all human. There's no human that's perfect. So anybody out there listening, anybody out there judging, the hell with them, bro. Because you know what? Who are they to judge? Who am I to judge? There's no one out there to judge anybody. The right. only person that judges is God. So, yeah. hey, man, there's there's no there's no human out there that's perfect. So, you know, oh, your no. story, your story and, and everything that you're doing is changing lives. So and, and I feel that and, and I believe that. So, man, it you know, it, it's Jay, it's it's a it's a blessing talking to you. Um, be on the lookout for this podcast going to drop in two weeks, obviously. Yeah. And other than that, man, we out. Yes, sir. Yep. Absolutely. I hope kids, man, they take anything negative from someone else and use it as a positive for them. I mean, that's the main thing. And that's why I still do it. Oh, I love it. <laughs>